This is On Target, a look at politics, crime, education, what's happening in Newfoundland and Labrador with the people who know. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your On Target host, Linda Swain. Well, happy solstice, everyone. Things looking up, hopefully. We're sunshine cracking through the clouds a few times here in VOCM Valley. Uh, finally, after, oh my gosh, what seems like weeks and weeks and weeks of rain, drizzle, and fog really getting you down. But uh, finally, a little bit of a reprieve from all of that. So uh, make the most of it if you can uh, while you dart around doing your holiday shopping, no doubt. Well, healthcare has dominated headlines throughout 2022 as the province just to living with COVID-19, healthcare workers are burnt out, and for good reason. They were redeployed and time off was limited or delayed indefinitely to deal with pandemic response. Not to mention healthcare workers who themselves were falling ill at rates sometimes higher than the general population. At the time, few imagined that the pandemic would drag out for months to years. It's been a long slog and the cracks are showing. Earlier this year, Eastern Health took the extraordinary step of a advising patients to avoid going to the ER at the Health Sciences Centre or St. Clair's unless in cases of heart attack, stroke, broken limbs, something really serious because of nursing vacancies and staffing shortages. Some healthcare services in central Labrador being diverted to far off Lab City for similar reasons, not to mention ER closures and diversions at smaller rural clinics and hospitals right across the province. Well, my guest today has been leading one of the largest groups of frontline healthcare professionals through what many people are calling a crisis. Yvette Coffey is president of the Registered Nurses Union and she joins me now. Hello. Hi Linda. What a year. It's been a year. It's been a rough few years actually. It has. Uh, just this is the culmination of uh, quite a few years. So uh, what is the latest situation um, facing nurses in the province? Right now we're facing the highest rates of burnout. Uh, with mandatory overtime, they're working short, limited access to leave. 88% feel that understaffing has resulted in unsafe conditions for patients. We've lost close to another 300 registered nurses out of the system, either retired, retired early, or quit permanent positions to go casual since January of this year. I've, I've never seen this exodus before, and I've been nursing for 32 years. So how do you fix it? Well, it's going to take a lot of different initiatives. It's going to take um, willingness on the part of government and employers. Um, and it's going to take a while to get out of this crisis that we're in. We have a healthcare system that we believe is beyond broken. And I think uh, that's validated by the stories that we hear in the healthcare system every day. You know, the government has worked with us over the past couple of years. And we have come up with some out-of-the-box ideas, some initiatives to hopefully help retain the registered nurses that we have in the system. But we're in unprecedented times where we not only have a shortage of registered nurses, nurse practitioners, who are the largest group of healthcare providers, but we also have a shortage of other healthcare providers as well. I almost like... I'd almost liken it to the perfect storm with a health human resource crisis, healthcare crisis, and our system is 
beyond broken, but we do believe it's not beyond repair. We believe that if government takes the right steps at this time uh, and continues to work with groups like Registered Nurses Union, that we will get through this and we will improve health outcomes for the people of Newfoundland and Labrador and ourselves because it's our health care system. Um, and we all have to be cognizant that at the end of the day, we don't have bed shortages. We don't have infrastructure shortages. We have human resource shortages. And a bed is only a bed without the nursing staff to care for the patients that are in it. Yeah, because uh, when we talk about uh, how many beds are available, what we're really talking about is how many uh, staff are available to staff that bed. Yes. And it's a very complicated um, situation we're in because everything impacts uh, each other. So the long-term care crisis that we're facing, beautiful new facilities built, two in Central, one in Western, and we don't have the staff to open up all the beds. That impacts then our emergency departments and our inpatient units in other healthcare facilities, which then impacts um, surgeries, endoscopies, procedures that people are waiting for. Um, it's just a ripple effect through the system. And the main thing at the core of all of this is human resource shortage. So you've lost 300 nurses over the last year, is that correct? That's why we know that we've lost, that was from January to October. Wow. So how many uh, vacancies are out there now? Well, the last report that we got from government, we had 615 vacancies in April, in the spring. There is a new nursing supply report that's out. Uh, we haven't uh, received it yet. We will be receiving it uh, before the end of this year. But we... Um, we estimate that we were up closer to 700 with the vacancies right now. We estimate that it's a lot more than the 600 that we started with in April. Have you seen those kind of vacancy rates before? Never in my history, in my 32 years. Uh, I was just saying to someone this morning, back in 1990 when I graduated, uh, we were putting names in a hat as to who was going to be laid off because we had too many nurses at the time. And here we are. 32 years later with over 600 vacancies. So what's contributing to that? Is it purely burnout or are there other issues? Well, there's a lot of issues. Um, the workplace conditions is the biggest issue. It's the inability to get time off. It is the inability of knowing uh, that when you go to work, you can get home uh, at the end of your shift with the mandated overtime. Uh, the calls, desperate calls on your days off, begging you to go in because you're working so short and to try and prevent someone else from having to work that 20 or 24 hour shift. It's the um, lack of other health care providers in the system because of the shortage of other health care providers. And it's also the violence. Our members um, in healthcare and in the social services sector, so you're talking, you know, um, child youth family services, you're talking uh, home care, uh, long term care, um, hospitals, community health, mental health. We are facing the highest rates of violence of any other workers in this province, and that's stats from Workplace NL. We also have the highest rates of injuries in this province. What's contributing to those high rates of violence? We know that people are frustrated. 
I mean, we have long wait times. We have overcrowded emergency rooms in every nook and cranny in this province. And people are beyond frustrated. They're stressed. They're stressed for their loved ones who are sick. They're stressed for themselves who are not feeling well. And frontline workers are facing the brunt of this on a daily basis. 70% of our members in March experienced workplace violence, be it verbal or physical. People are going to work not knowing, is this the day that I get punched? Is this the day I get verbally assaulted in the workplace? And I think it's time for employers and the public to understand and to ensure that there is no place for violence in any workplace. There's no place for verbal or physical abuse. People are doing the best that they can with the limited resources that they have and trying to care for the sickest of the sickest in their institutions and facilities. So if I, I'm reading between the lines here, the, the, the frustration that's b- building up is, is because, I suppose, somebody's been waiting in a waiting room for ever so long. Somebody's uh, mother is uh, not being attended to when somebody's looking for the help that they need and the nurses otherwise engage with another patient. And those kinds of scenarios are leading to some of this frustration and these, these um, incidents of people lashing out. There's a lot of factors. That's one of the issues that we're seeing. Another is, you know, we have an increase in mental health and addictions um, in our communities, and we see the stats throughout Canada, and Newfoundland and Labrador is no different than the rest of the country. We are um, facing, you know, when patients are confused, uh, long-term care has the highest rates of violence uh, when you look at the statistics. And that's related to confusion and dementia and aggressive patients. We've been calling on government and employers, and I have met with several ministers over the last two years. We even did a violence forum back in uh, 2019, January, no, 2020, January of 2020. There is a report collecting dust on um, the violence that has been experienced in healthcare. And we've been calling on Workplace NL and the employers and government to support us in developing uh, and forming a health sector safety council, which would, number one priority, be addressing the violence in healthcare and the injuries in healthcare. In terms of the long-term care uh, scenario, uh, what would help to alleviate the level of violence seen by nurses there? Would it be greater staffing issues so that, you know, there's more people attending to a patient, that kind of thing? It would be increased uh, nursing resources because not only do we have a shortage of registered nurses, we have a shortage of um, licensed practical nurses, personal care attendants, shortage of home care workers and home supports. So the levels of violence that we're seeing, it is high. The injury rates are the highest in long-term care as well uh, because they're working short on a daily basis. Our guest... And we need, uh, sorry, Linda, but we need extra training too because training, uh, every single worker should have training on how to de-escalate uh, a situation before it gets to that violent piece. Our guest today on On Target is Yvette Coffey. She is the president of the Registered Nurses Union of Newfoundland and Labrador. We'll be back right after this. Join us for On Target, one hour in which Linda Swain examines topics that mean the most to you. On Target, weekday afternoons at 1 on your VOCM. 
Our guest today is president of the Registered Nurses Union of Newfoundland and Labrador, Yvette Coffey. And um, I want to get to collective bargaining a little later on the show, but what is your relationship like with the provincial government? Since uh, I took office uh, two years ago, I have been in regular communication with the government and the Department of Health on a weekly, almost daily basis sometimes, talking about the challenges that we're facing in our healthcare system. Um, I was appointed to the Health Accord NL and appointed to the Surgical Backlog Task Force, which was formed by uh, Premier Fury. Um, I know that if I have an issue, I can reach out and call either the minister, uh, Tom Osborne, or I can call Premier Fury. Oh, that's pretty good. That's, I think it's a sign of the times because I think there's a recognition by this government, and we've heard the Premier say he knows the system is broken. He's worked in it himself and continues to uh, do surgeries. Um, and Minister Osborne is not new to the healthcare system, and uh, I know that he's inundated on a daily basis with the issues that are going on throughout each of the regional health authorities. And I think that the formation of the nursing think tank this past year and the initiatives that were announced uh, coming out of it for retention and recruitment efforts is a sign that this government does recognize the challenges and the crisis in nursing and healthcare. Are you satisfied with efforts underway to address some of these current issues and recruit more nurses? Well, these issues and incentives, it's a start, but we need to do more. Uh, and we do acknowledge, you know, the recruitment efforts that we know the government has been over to India recruiting nurses and other healthcare professionals. Uh, we also have a new provincial uh, recruitment campaign uh, that has been launched this past year. We have a recruitment com- campaign uh, come home year bonuses to try and recruit healthcare professionals back to this um, province. We heard the announcement last fall on a health human resource uh, plan uh, and also on a new office for retention and recruitment of healthcare professionals. However, we have very limited resources within the Department of Health, and I've, I, you've often heard me say they need to staff up too because healthcare is in crisis and they need the staff to be able to deal with everything and to enact initiatives and discussions with all the healthcare unions and associations and everybody involved in healthcare. And we're still waiting for the Health Human Resource Plan that was announced uh, last fall over a year ago. And we're also looking forward to um, meeting with the um, new office for retention and recruitment to discuss nursing issues and the challenges that we're facing in this system. You mentioned the come home year bonuses. Is that, are you seeing any benefit from that yet? Uh, we haven't seen any evaluation of any uptake with that yet. We're looking forward to uh, a false evaluation of the initiatives uh, announced following our nursing think tank and also the initiatives uh, that the government have announced for the come here, home year bonus as well. You also mentioned the nursing desk, of course, in Bengaluru, India. Are you hopeful that we might be able to recruit some new faces here? 
Well, we need to recruit new faces. We need to add numbers into the system to address the over 600 vacancies that we have here in the province. We have to do that right. We have to be ethical in our recruitment from other countries. And we have to ensure that we have supports in place, not only to integrate people into our healthcare system, but also into our province, communities, and our culture. And we need to provide support and mentorship in the workplaces, not only just for a two-week or six-week orientation, but for a longer period of time. And we're also hearing that from nursing students and from brand-new graduates that they don't feel there's enough support in place, especially with the nursing shortage and the challenges faced on a daily basis, to give them the support that they need in order to retain them. And we all know that recruitment goes hand-in-hand with retention, and we need to retain every single individual we have working in our healthcare system right now. And we're not doing an awesome job of that when we see the numbers that 300 have already left this year. And, of course, we're hearing uh, all kinds of stories about um, recruitment officers from other provinces just sort of hanging out at the graduation ceremonies, scooping people up as they're leaving. That is accurate. Um, But we also know that uh, our regional health authorities are also going in to talk to these new graduates to offer them employment in our province. Uh, We've increased the bursaries. Uh, for students coming in and sign-on bonuses for uh, people taking on positions within Newfoundland and Labrador. Um, I don't have the numbers on how many have signed on or what they've signed on for. Have they signed on for casual? Have they signed on for permanent? Uh, Looking forward to receiving that evaluation this year to see how we've done. But we do have an issue here in this province. We only graduate a little over 200 registered nurses each year. And we are competing, like you said, with the Atlantic provinces who are here recruiting and the recruitment from across this country because this is not just unique to Newfoundland and Labrador. We have a Canadian nursing shortage. We have a global nursing shortage. And we need to be competitive out there in the market. If right now registered nurses in Newfoundland and Labrador are the lowest paid nurses in Canada. And in order for us to retain and recruit, we're going to have to up the ante and be competitive. Is that what makes it a lot more challenging, you know, when you know you're up against uh, London, Ontario, or Montreal, or Winnipeg? It is. It's very challenging. And we're seeing, you know, each province across this country is coming up with their own unique uh, ways uh, to recruit and adding incentives uh, to recruit registered nurses and to retain registered nurses in the system. Um, One of the biggest fallbacks that we have going, you know, on across this country right now and here in Newfoundland and Labrador is that we're turning to private agency travel nurses to staff up our institutions. $8.8 million of Newfoundland and Labrador taxpayer money was spent between January 1st to October of this year in Newfoundland and Labrador alone. It's actually making the problem worse because we have these registered nurses who are coming from private agencies in our healthcare system working alongside our registered nurses and they're making between two and three times the amount of money that our members are making. They have more flexibility. They are telling the stories about how they have control over their life. They're able to pick and choose where they go to work. They're making more money and it is very, 
enticing to our members and we are losing people to these agencies as well. They're quitting their positions here in Newfoundland and Labrador to go work with travel agencies. We saw last year in Manitoba an ICU I think it was 10 or 12 ICU nurses resigned walked out and came back the next day as agency nurses making two to three times the amount. It's not sustainable. It is not sustainable for our healthcare system. And we need a health human resource plan, not only provincially, but nationally. So uh, it's kind of a vicious circle, isn't it? Uh, Government has to rely on these private agencies to fill the gaps, and yet the gaps are getting wider because uh, nurses here on the ground are seeing the inequities. So how do you address that? Well, we hope to address that in bargaining, but outside of bargaining, one of the, you know, out-of-the-box ideas was having the nursing think tank this past year. And we needed to give hope to our members. We needed to make sure that they got time off last summer. And we do know that most, if not all, did get some time off last summer. And, you know, they were very grateful for that. But that shouldn't be the exception. That should always be the norm. So we need to address not only uh, wages and benefits, but we need to address the workplace conditions. Going to work and not knowing when you're getting home or being told after working a 12-hour night to go home and rest for four hours and come back and do another 12-hour shift, that's not sustainable either. Uh, We need to treat people better. We need to show registered nurses and nurse practitioners that they're valued that they're respected. And in order to do that, we need to have competitive salaries uh, with our counterparts in the Atlantic region and across this country and better working conditions. Our guest today on On Target is Yvette Coffey, president of the Registered Nurses Union of Newfoundland and Labrador. We'll be back right after this. Got plans for midnight? Bring your VOCM along with the best soundtrack for every night, anywhere. The VOCM All Night Show, midnight on your VOCM. Our guest today is president of the Registered Nurses Union of Newfoundland and Labrador, Yvette Coffey. And Yvette, uh, in past years, you've uh, raised your fears about the potential impact on patients. But now we're hearing from patients on a daily basis. You just have to tune into VOCM Open Line on any given morning. Uh, Cancelled surgeries, long waiting lists, and inability to get into ER, long-term care. What is the current impact on patients? Our patients are experience a healthcare crisis as well. They are waiting for their surgeries or, you know, someone I know close to me uh, recently was supposed to have surgery um, last week. It got cancelled. Bumped to this week. Already cancelled again this week and delayed now till the end of the week. That's happening on a daily basis. People are even in their, uh, in the queue kind of thing. They're in a bed waiting to go in for surgery and cancel at the last minute because there is no nursing staff to care for them postoperatively. We have patients who um, have their surgeries and then after the surgery have no bed to go to and they're ended up being housed in the recovery rooms, which is right, and that's overnight. That then impacts the surgery list for the next day. We have people waiting in hospitals for community care. We have not increased any community resources or staff in the past uh, years. We've increased the workload on the community. We're putting people out in the community now that are sicker. Um, you know, 
20 years ago, if you went in and had uh, knee surgery, you were in hospital for two weeks. Well, that's probably a day surgery right now. So the people that are in the hospital are the sickest of the sickest in the province. They're there because they need to be there, and they're being sent home. You know, we're doing home IV therapy, um, you know, wound management, uh, along with all the social things that our nursing teams and that are involved in in community, but we haven't increased resources. We have long-term care patients waiting for beds, so they're even they're either at home uh, with family members who are exhausted and not being able to provide the care that they need, uh, waiting and waiting months in order to get a bed in long-term care or a personal care home or to get home supports because, like I said, there's a shortage of home care workers. And then you have, you know, the personal toll that that takes on people if you're sick you're waiting for a procedure. You're waiting to be diagnosed with something. You're having medical issues, and you can't even get in to see. You don't, either don't have a physician or a nurse practitioner for your primary health care needs. That then translates to people having to go to an emergency department or people having to pay out of their pockets for private health care. No one should ever have to pay out of their pockets for private health care in Canada. And not everybody can afford that. Great for people who say, oh, well, I can afford it. I'll go ahead and do it. That's taking resources out of our publicly funded healthcare system. And the person who doesn't have that money doesn't get the care that they need and desperately deserve. They end up in a waiting room with hundreds of other people waiting to, for somebody to look at them and address their medical needs. We need to address the primary health care, the lack of primary health care, physicians and nurse practitioners. We also need to address the number of patients that are admitted and have to stay in the emergency department where ambulances can't offload patients or are not available to go pick up emergency uh, uh, patients for emergency care. <coughs> Sorry, Linda. I'm also uh, battling one of the viruses that's on the go in the community. Um, I'll give you a little break there now and I'll ask a question. So a lot of these things are all well known to people in Newfoundland and Labrador, even if they don't experience it firsthand. We've all heard the stories, usually from loved ones, but uh, the provinces have been calling on Ottawa for, it seems like, eons now to increase the Canada health transfer. Um, And they're looking for that meeting with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. So what's the holdup? I think what needs to happen here is that the provinces and the prime minister, sorry, Linda, need to come together and agree upon more money. The transfer patients, the transfer payments do need to be increased. But I also believe that there needs to be a plan in place in each province for where that money is going to be targeted. We're seeing across this province, um, during COVID in Ontario, there was COVID money that never got spent by the government of Ontario. We're also seeing and hearing the things that the new Premier of Alberta is saying. And she's talking about uh, privatization of healthcare. So we need controls and balances in place for that money. We need to make sure it's targeted for our publicly funded healthcare system. And it needs to be targeted with a plan in each province 
to address surgical backlogs, to address human resource crises. And everybody needs to be together around this for the betterment of the people of each province and for Canadians uh, across this country. We also, you know, I really truly believe that we have an opportunity here for the premiers to step up. Our premier, uh, for example, you know, he's already, we have the health accords. We have a plan in place for our health care. And we need premiers to stand up and lead by example here and come to the table uh, to talk to the federal government. And we need to get that money. But we also need to ensure that it's spent in the appropriate places to have better outcomes, health outcomes for the people in our provinces and for all Canadians. And also to address the human resource crisis, uh, which is a number one priority right now in every single province in this country. Our guest today on On Target is Yvette Coffey, president of the Registered Nurses Union. I'll give you a chance to get a sip of water or something now. Uh, and hopefully your voice, and thanks very much for joining us today. Uh, hopefully your voice holds up for the remainder of the program. I, I want to get a little, a little bit into your collective bargaining process and some of the other issues, including the diversion from Goose Bay to uh, Lab West when we come back after the break. Our guest today, uh, once again, Yvette Coffey, president of the Registered Nurses Union of Newfoundland and Labrador. We'll be back right after this. Take a break. Join us weekdays from 1230 to 1 p.m. as we discuss anything and everything that's happening now. It's all on the table during your VOCM lunch break. And our guest today is Yvette Coffey, president of the Registered Nurses Union of Newfoundland and Labrador. And Yvette, I uh, mentioned earlier about the uh, the um, directive from Eastern Health uh, for people not to go to the ER in, at the Health Sciences and St. Clair's. And uh, that really, I think, caught a lot of people's attention because while we've been hearing about uh, ER closures in places like Whitburn or Bonavista or you know you name the place um, I think a lot of people think in terms of if it's a, if it's a much smaller facility then the staffing is smaller so you, all you need is one absence and, and you've got a, a situation but when you when it comes to the health sciences in St. Clair's for Eastern Health to put out that kind of directive and as far as I know it's still in place I, I stand to be corrected that's rather alarming. Now we're hearing about this diversion from Goose Bay to Lab City. I mean, what's your response to all of that? Well, we know that the nursing crisis is affecting the healthcare system majorly. We know that our public are behind us and are, want the nursing crisis fixed because they also recognize a bed is a bed without a healthcare provider there to look after you in that bed. Not surprised uh, by what's happening in Happy Valley Go State at this point in time. I've been involved with the committee up there in retention and recruitment, and we meet monthly. We actually are doing a pilot project up there right now for a um, travel locum. Um, so registered nurses within the province of Newfoundland and Labrador will be paid a little bit extra if they agree to go and do at least a two-week stint up in uh, Labrador, in Lab Grenfell. Because historically, we, you know, always face challenges in Labrador. You know, it's very unique. You have your North Coast and South Coast clinics. You have St. Anthony, Lab West, Happy Valley, Goose Bay, and everywhere in between. And Happy Valley, Goose Bay, and St. Anthony, and the clinics have been plagued by the nursing shortage. And... It was, it was inevitable that we got to this point. 
we've been doing it on the backs of the workers in that system, on the backs of the registered nurses uh, for a long time now. They're up there working 24-hour shifts. They're up there working seven, eight, nine, 12-hour shifts in a row. They live in the community, and they feel that sense of belonging to their community, and they're paying the ultimate price. They're paying the price for their own mental and physical health. It's impacting their families. My heart goes out to the people of Labrador right now who are being told that they have to diverse and go to um, LabWest over to Labrador City. We also understand there's patients being moved to St. Anthony. Their staffing is not the best either. They've got major challenges with nursing uh, staffing over there as well. And we're also trying to staff all the clinics in between. And... It's not like this time of year, especially, to be told that if you are due to have uh, your child in the next couple of weeks up until January 13th, that you now have to travel to either Lab City or come out to St. John's, which means uprooting you and your family. You're away from your support system um, and just all the logistics of all of that. Happy Valley Goose Bay has a 50% um, 60% vacancy rate overall for nursing. We know that 50% of the nurses in um, Labrador are casual. So it's 60% vacancy in Labrador. The emergency room in Happy Valley Goose Bay only has four of the 10 nursing positions filled. That's a 60% vacancy rate. We know when the inpatients and OERs, they're down uh, between uh, 40 and 50% as well. It's not sustainable, and in order to provide safe patient care, the hard decisions had to be made by the health authority. And those hard decisions are being made on a daily basis throughout the province of Newfoundland and Labrador with your diversions from your Bonavista, your Bayvert, your Harbour Britain, um, Whitburn, Bell Island, I'm hearing about this week too as well. There's discussions because if we can't staff them properly and can't provide safe patient care, it is safer to transport those patients out of that area and to a place that has appropriate staffing to care for them. The province, I think, surprised a lot of people by announcing its intention to replace St. Clair's Hospital while uh, the province grapples with these staffing shortages. Uh, were you surprised? Uh, not surprised. I know there's been discussions ongoing. You know, St. Clair's Hospital is 100 years old. And we know in the past couple of years, we had a few incidents where we had flooding and that, and the OERs had to be closed down. And there's always needing to be renovations in that maze. So there's been discussions about that. The problem is a building is a building without the people to work in it and care for the patients. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, it's about the patients. It's about the people of Newfoundland and Labrador, and they need people there to care for them. Nice to have a beautiful new facility. Like I said earlier, three beautiful new long-term care facilities in Central and Western, and we don't have the staff to open up the beds. So, And it also takes away resources. Every time there's another announcement around uh, infant structure or a new facility or whatever, the people in the department are the people who are ultimately having to work on that. But they're also working on the human resource crisis. They're also working on the health human resource plan. 
uh, and there's not enough of them to go around either. So it takes away from the work that needs to be done, which is addressing the staffing crisis in the healthcare system. So that's an awful lot going on in the background while collective bargaining is underway. How, how is the, all that going? So we started uh, collective bargaining uh, this fall, meeting with the uh, government and the employers. Um, and we're meeting again in the new year. Uh, you know, we're having preliminary discussions about um, issues and concerns um, that are vital to our members and to the people of Newfoundland and Labrador. Uh, around, you know, mandatory overtime and not enough staff and that. Uh, but we haven't gotten into any talks about money or wages or anything like that. But this round of bargaining for us is critical. It's critical for registered nurses and nurse practitioners, but it's also critical for our healthcare system and the people of Newfoundland and Labrador. We have an opportunity here right now to make sure that registered nurses, nurse practitioners uh, know that they're valued, that they're respected. Uh, We need to be competitive uh, with our counterparts in Atlantic Canada and the rest of Canada. We need to get initiatives, uh, benefits, wages in place that will put us on the market to compete with the other private agencies and with the other provinces so that we can staff up our institutions and, more importantly, maintain the people that we have in the system. We cannot afford to lose one more registered nurse out of this system right now. Uh, I know it's your job as the uh, president of the Registered Nurses Union, but I was talking to uh, someone with the NLMA not too long ago, and he said, you know, we really need to start breaking down all of these silos that we're all in in the healthcare system and know that we're all supporting each other and we're all working together. Uh, Do do you work collaboratively with other um, agencies and and unions, uh, you know, in terms of uh, the NLMA and uh, the representatives of the LPNs and all the many other health professionals in the system? Yeah, we have really good working relationships with all the public sector unions, with the NLMA, NAEP, QB, Allied Health, for example. Um, And we have discussions on a regular basis because we're all facing the same thing with the challenges, with the shortages in the system. I mean, it's respiratory therapists in the news one day. It's radiation therapists another day. It's physicians. Um, You know, we were happy with the announcement that government had sent memos to the RHAs to look at the primary health care, the lack of primary health care for people of Newfoundland and Labrador and start offering positions to nurse practitioners for nurse practitioner led clinics. To this day, since that announcement, I have no knowledge of any new positions being um, posted and awarded. We need to move quicker on uh, initiatives. And I agree with the NLMA, and I've said it myself. We need to break down the silos. We're not getting out of this individually. We need to all work together collectively, and we need a health human resource plan for this province for all healthcare workers and healthcare professionals. Um, And we need to have everybody working to their full scope of practice. So licensed practical nurses, registered nurses, nurse practitioners, physicians, physician assistants who have been announced recently. Everybody, not one person in the healthcare system can work alone. It takes a community to raise a child, is what my grandmother used to say years ago. 
Well, it takes a community of different healthcare professionals to operate and run our healthcare system. And at the end of the day, we're all after the same thing. We want our patients and clients to get the best care possible. We want to improve the health outcomes for the people of Newfoundland and Labrador. And I think this is a great opportunity for our premier and government to showcase Newfoundlanders and Labradorians and to step up and be an example uh, for the rest of Canada of what we can do when we all work collaboratively together, think outside the box and um, work on our healthcare system. And finally, Yvette, uh, less than two minutes uh, in the program, but we're heading into the holiday season, and I know uh, it's been a, a tough slog. What's your message to members and to patients? I would encourage everybody to take advantage of the flu clinics that I just heard being announced uh, before the start of the show uh, to get your COVID vaccines, to get your influenza shots, to please follow public health guidelines, uh, mask avoid large crowds and I know that's going to be hard for Newfoundlanders and Labradorians over the Christmas season but everybody has to be cognizant of all the viruses and everything that are out there and that our system is in crisis and can't handle much more and every Newfoundlander and Labradorian has to take responsibility for their own health as well avoid crowds follow public health guidelines get your vaccines and I would like to say I wish everybody a safe and healthy Christmas season. And I would like to thank every single healthcare worker in the province of Newfoundland and Labrador for everything that they do and they bring to the workplace every single day under such immense challenges. Yvette Coffey, really appreciate your time this afternoon. Um, Merry Christmas to you. Happy New Year. And I hope you get over that uh, that bug you got. <laughs> Same to you, Linda, and thank you for this opportunity. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow to speak with the president of NAEP, no doubt to touch on a lot of this, uh, similar types of themes that we uh, discussed with Yvette Coffey this afternoon. Thanks for listening, everyone.